For Green Biz Radio, I'm Leslie Guevara. Angela Nahikian is Director of Global Environmental Sustainability for Steelcase Incorporated. The key to the company's sustainability practices and its design strategy lie in its approach, Nahikian says. And that outlook may come as a surprise to people who have kept track of this industry leader and its innovations. Angela, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Leslie. Happy to be here. Would you talk to us about sustainability practices in business? It's a huge issue, and Steelcase has long been an innovator in this area, and in fact, an industry leader. Tell us, what are the big things? What should we be keeping in mind? Well, I think when it comes to sustainable business practices, it begins with uh, curiosity. And I think the insatiable appetite for more information and more understanding. So we like to consider ourselves as students, curious students of sustainability. And I think that if you keep that mindset and hold on to that mindset, that there are just endless opportunities from a business and business model perspective. So I would say that approaching it from that direction, we really are very focused on the environmental sustainability aspects of our products, which has been a, a significant investment for us and a, a significant focus over the, over the years, particularly in the past five to ten years, and understanding the chemistry of our products, which is a significant learning and an ongoing learning for us. So we begin there and invest in understanding the life cycle impacts of our products and then ways that we can ensure that our products have a second life through either recycling or reuse. With those three platforms in mind, that's the beginning of all of the thinking that we do around our uh, product development side around sustainability. But I think more and more we're interested in what are the innovation opportunities and how do we start truly braiding and integrating the social, environmental, and business model aspects into total design solutions. So if we're thinking about sustainability as being the ultimate systems design problem, how do we weave these three elements together to really innovate? Because I think that's where we believe the, the future of sustainability opportunities will be as the innovation opportunities provided by thinking about it differently. It seems that there is not only a greater interest but a greater urgency surrounding all these ideas. Why is that? Why is that happening now? Well, I think certainly there's been a lot of evidence on the environmental side from a climate perspective that there is an absolute sense of urgency. We have a lot to make up for, and we all have to have this sense of urgency. But at the same time, I think that especially society at large, large corporations, large businesses, there really has to be an evolutionary aspect to sustainability, and those things are intention. So the sense that you can't change everything overnight, what it requires is this sense of urgent iteration, a radical evolution, if you will, uh, approach to sustainability that's really going to win. And I think a lot of people understand now and are starting to see ways in which they can have that radical mindset but evolve in a way that sustains business and standards of living and society expectations. Are there things that Steelcase is doing along these lines that you can share with us? This is a, a different way of thinking about sustainability. How do you, for instance, uh, begin to integrate populations that are not maybe participating in the economy? And how do you design products and delivery mechanisms to help 
those folks become part of the economy. Those would be some of the things that we're starting to think about. In terms of delivering solutions, we're not close enough to talk about some of those things at this point, but we certainly are thinking about them. And I think that we have some examples stretching the boundaries of sustainability that that we could share, and one being the research that we're doing in the growth of forests. We have a research forest adjacent to our wood manufacturing facility here in Grand Rapids. It's a collaboration with the Forestry Service and Purdue University and a number of other universities and organizations across the country. And what we're trying to do is to understand how to more effectively grow the kinds of wood um, stock and um, wood materials that we need to manufacture our product. We are looking at ways in which you might grow trees to accelerate the growth and still maintain the integrity of the soil, as well as to be able to um, grow more uniform trees with more uniform growth patterns that make them more conducive to veneer. So those kinds of investments are really outside the day-to-day running of our business, but really extend, you know, upstream uh, to how how the materials are grown that get to us and how we can participate in advancing the knowledge base around that. And it gets back to that curiosity aspect and and, and this desire to learn. And if we do that, uh, we'll be able to produce better product and we'll be able to do that more sustainably. In our materials chemistry practice, we're learning things every day about materials and we're seeing the limitations of technology and material science. As much as they, that is a fast-track advancement, Um, in research area materials. We are seeing limitations, so we're collaborating with others at the front end and the forefront of material science to see what we might be able to do to solve some of those problems. And those are just sort of day-to-day activities here that stretch beyond the standard internal business issues. You mentioned limitations. What types of limitations are we talking about? Simply the extent that we can manipulate the materials as they are today? Yes, I think that's a great part of it. There's a certain level of performance that a lot of the the materials that exist today exhibit, and a lot of those performance attributes come from materials that are materials of concern. Some of those would be categorized as red materials or even black materials, materials that are known or suspected to have some impact at some level on humans and the environment. And we have made a choice as a company. We do not want to participate in those materials. We do not want to interface with those materials. And so when we design new products, we're doing everything we we can to avoid those materials in the process of developing new products. We're also going back in and eliminating them from existing products. And those create challenges because the performance attributes, let's say, in an adhesive posed by some of the materials, um, make those adhesives very effective at doing their job, but they they are not ones that we want to invest in because of the, the negative sort of side effects. So we're working with some of the original material suppliers to be able to see how we might create a kind of a new a new sort of adhesive or a new generation of material that will still have the same performance attributes but do so with materials that support human and environmental health. That is a challenge, finding substitutes for the things that work so well, but perhaps in a greater sense 
really didn't work at all <laughs> when you look at it in the long run and the impact. Well, that gets back to the systems design problem that in, that it just depends on what you what you include in your system as performance requirements, and we certainly would incur, include uh, you know supporting human and environmental health in our performance requirements. In the sustainability report that the company issued in the past year, it talked about 2009 being the year of reinvention. Will you tell us about that? Well, I think that that can happen a number of levels and is happening within the company. I mean, we're reinventing some of our systems. So what we're doing is we're really investing heavily in our data infrastructure and have a long-term project where, where we're looking at ways we can connect some of the databases throughout our organization to be able to deliver holistic reporting on very specific products for customers. So those are some of the investments that we're making and reinventions that we're engaged in right now. I think that it comes back to some of the things that we talked about before, really looking at ways we could reinvent our business models, delivery systems, mechanisms that we use as a company to be able to deliver better on our sustainability promise from an environmental perspective as well as a social and business perspective and to deliver more value to the customer at the end of the day. So we're looking at all aspects, infrastructure being one, you know, delivery mechanisms being another, and some of the things that, as I said, I talked about before, trying to integrate maybe some of the social aspects as well and think about ways in which we could use our assets as a company to deliver greater value to society as well as our customers. Now, your corporate responsibility report really underscores, as our chat does today, that all this is part of Steelcase's DNA for other firms. How do they get started with this or at least enhance these type of processes, especially in the type of environment that we have today? I'm talking about the economic environment. It is incredibly challenging right now. I think one of the things that, as I mentioned, we're, we're learning every day ways that we can improve our own performance, but we're also seeking to learn from others in addition to all of the internal learning that we're pursuing. And I think that's, that's one of the things, you know, do, do your best to learn from others, uh, from others' mistakes as well as uh, from others', you know, successes. Find a peer group and find people who are like-minded and are interested in this, in pursuing the same sorts of things at the same, you know, aggressive pace you might be interested in. I think the other thing is uh, really there are many lenses that you can view sustainability through, and especially in, in times that are difficult economically, uh, one of the, the benefits that you can deliver through sustainability to your company is, is a, a leaner um, more effective organization, one that utilizes material resources effectively, one that reduces not only just impact on the environment but impact on your bottom line and your top line. And when you're when you're using resources better and you're offering better value and better service to your customer, that's going to come back to you as a business. More often than not, we have found the sustainable choice is the better business choice from a cost structure perspective and certainly delivering greater customer value. And I think often sustainability and environmental sustainability in particular is, is thought of as kind of a, a philanthropic effort and that there is a, a sacrifice that either customers or the company must make. And in fact, we're not finding that to be the case. Are there other points you'd like to share? The whole movement of a company toward a more sustainable business model, a lot of 
a lot of folks will look at it as though it's uh, an effort that's around a, a collection of tactics and strategies, and it absolutely is that. But at the bottom of it all, it's about culture change and enabling the organization to do things differently than they've done before and encouraging different ways of thinking. So I think that often that is the part that is maybe underestimated, just the investment in your culture, uh, the investment in education and training and the encouragement of uh, new ideas and new ways of doing things and, that's things, and that's very much a cultural attribute. That's something that we're at work on every day here at Steelcase to continue to strengthen that and build on that. And I think one of the things that does that is to demonstrate to your employees um, and to your customers as well, you know, the level of com- commitment and that congruency that you're trying to achieve in your decision-making. So one of the things that we did last year, we decided that we cared about renewable energy and promoting and advocating for renewable energy. And although we were doing a lot of things inside of our company to minimize the the energy consumption of our company, we decided to invest in a wind farm. And people would say, you know, what what connection does that have day-to-day to your business? Well, it does. Uh, there are some... There are some connections that it has to our business, but probably the biggest uh, benefit of that investment, which was to to make that commitment to financing the wind farm through the purchases of all renewable energy credits that come from that wind farm, allowed it to be built and will allow other renewable energy source to be created somewhere else because of that investment. And I think what that said to people, and it was very surprising to us uh, because we didn't do it for those reasons, um, what that said to people was that we are, in fact, serious about creating a better kind of future and participating in that directly with our company, but also through investments that are unrelated to their day-to-day operations. So I think those kinds of gestures can demonstrate to your employee base as well as your customers that you are, in fact, interested in advancing renewable energy and sustainable ways of manufacturing and and operating as a society. We're talking about that wind farm in Panhandle, Texas, eight turbines. Eight turbines. Yeah, the Weggy Wind Energy Farm, and we named it after Peter Weggy. He is a philanthropist. He is also a member of one of the original founding families of Steelcase, and he has really dedicated his life to sustainability, and he's dedicated his resources to advancing sustainability aims in terms of water and education and all the dimensions of sustainability that really are critical to realizing, I think, what we all hope will be a different kind of future for our kids. He's really not only an inspiration just people within our company, but certainly to a lot of people outside of our companies. This wind farm can power as many as 3,000 homes in that area, right? Yes, it's estimated to generate that much, and also that is about 20 to 25 percent of our annual electric energy consumption. It was a very fitting investment for us. That's a key number, 25 percent. Yes, that's our our footprint reduction goal by 2012, which is our 100th birthday. Right Right in time for the century, Mark. Absolutely. We figured what better way to celebrate, right, than to reduce our footprint by 25%. And in fact, in some areas, we've already reduced it that much. In other areas, we're still working on it. But from an operations standpoint, we're really pleased so far with the progress, and that's a real 
credit to all of our folks in operations and all of our product development folks who are paying close attention to how we develop products and how we manufacture them. Thank you very much for being with us today. We appreciate everything that you've shared. Well, thank you. And I just want to say before I leave that I think that, you know, events like Greener by Design and any forums where people can share ideas and swap strategies in an effort to advance this work as as a whole, regardless of the company, it's necessary and it's important to have these forums. So thank you, Greener by Design, for sponsoring and hosting one. Angela, thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.